Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the passage I want to look at, it's enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. Last Sunday, we listened as Jesus named the 12 disciples. Jesus was commissioning them for service in his kingdom. They were ready to embark on a holy mission. These 12 were going to go out, cast out demons, to heal the sick, to proclaim good news to the poor. But before he sends them out on their kingdom mission, Jesus gives them some instructions. And boy, these instructions have an ominous tone. Jesus starts off by saying, don't think you're going to have it any easier than me. And they're calling me the devil. Jesus talks about executions, about persecutions, about rebellion. He says he didn't come to bring peace anyway. He came to bring a sword. He talks about family strife and even the dreaded cross. Goodness, pretty remarkable things here about this good news. It's no wonder how this good news gets such a hostile reception today. You know, there's, there is something about the gospel. On one hand, it is just so radically liberating. We experience its freedom. Just when we confessed our sins this morning, and God announced forgiveness to you. Talk about freedom, that, that burden lifted. In our second lesson from Romans, God's redeeming actions through Christ reminds us that we are totally set free. That this Freedom is so thorough and all-encompassing. We've been born anew. And what's Paul trying to get at here? Paul here is pointing us to our baptisms without really mentioning it. Because in our baptisms, we were buried with Christ. We were raised to new life. We went down into the waters of death with him. And we arose from those waters with new life in him. And not only on that day, that day that we were baptized, but every day is a new day, a fresh day in him. So sin has lost its grip on us. 
We've been restored to God in perfect harmony. All this was made, all this was accomplished because of Christ's actions. Nothing remains left to be restored. Not one thing remains to be done. Nothing. All of his redeeming actions, all of his work, been completed. And what's the effect? Freedom. You can sum it up this way. There is nothing that you have to do. And just think how freeing that is when it comes to religion. There is nothing that you have to do. Do you know how many religions today are so bound up in legalism, in laws, that you have to follow Well, the Ten Commandments, but let's tack on another 20. All of these things that we must do, at the end of the day, we're, we're thinking, boy, did I do it all? And then what if? What if I missed something? But yet Christ frees us. All the work of reconciliation has been done for us, all through his love and his grace. His redeeming actions on the cross points us to a new remarkable way to live, to live a life in confidence, to live a life knowing that he's got our back. I mean, this is radical stuff. Sin has lost its grip on you and me. And not just on you and me, but for all the people for whom God has died. So from now on, Christ has become our lens. And through his vision, we no longer regard anyone from a human point of view. We now see them as God sees them. We are no longer divided by age, by mental or physical limitations. No longer do we regard people from different human viewpoints. We see each other from the eyes of Jesus. This gospel, this love through Jesus, lifts up our eyes. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. This radical liberation of God's love, it affects our relationships with God. It affects our relationships with others. But it doesn't stop there. It seeps into the very pores 
And it transforms us to live a new life. You see, that's where the rub comes in the gospel. This divine gift, it heals our relationship with God. And it also brings healing to other relationships. But yet some people think it's probably just too liberating. It's fine and dandy to deal with our relationship with God, but it goes too far when it tips the balance of power into making man look like he's got all the power. You see, that's the danger of this freedom. We do have freedom, but there are limits. Just like in the very first book of the Bible, in the Garden of Eden, the tree, the knowledge, God set limits. God gave us free will. Think of Jesus' life. He's been greeted by lepers. He validates questioning women who should in no way be lifted up. He embraces foreigners. He eats with tax collectors. And now he's sending out the disciples to do more of this work. The priests and the Pharisees were more closely aligned with the ideals of the Old Covenant than with the true love of God. You see, we can become quite comfortable in hierarchy. Systems are built upon them. The Jewish religion is built upon it. It definitely had a pecking order. Some people were holier than others. The priests and the Pharisees You see, they were aligned with the old order. And as the Roman Empire went on and and maintained and developed this this, uh, class of system to keep everyone in their place, what happens? Jesus comes and he breaks it all apart. He wants us to live a life of fear and confidence. Confidence knowing that the work of salvation is done. It's been accomplished. Fear knowing that I am your father. You know, growing up, how many of us had a a fear of our, our parents? I did. But fear not in a way where they're going to do something bad. But God sees this fear as an extension of his love. 
of caring for us through the family structure. You know, Martin Luther, in his um, commandments, what does he always say to um, at each of the commandments? He said, we should fear and love each one. So there's that element of fear and love and trust. Jesus came to break down these barriers. And so he sends out his apostles. He sends them out with divine love. He sends them out today too. I don't think time's really that much different than years past. And what I mean by that is I think the disciples, when they were sent out, they probably had the thought of, well, maybe if I just tweak this word, or maybe if I just change this doctrine, or, you know, we can grow the church. You see that Satan coming in. But yet, what do we see? We see the disciples being faithful being faithful to the word, to not watering down God's word, to preach the good news to the poor, to the marginalized, and realizing that it's probably going to have some consequences. But why are we in this Jesus desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him. He wants your heart. He wants you to know that he died for you and that you have a gift waiting for you, eternal life with him. We're going to be faced with many difficult decisions. But we have a wonderful gift, and that is prayer. And so my prayer for you is that as we go about our daily business, as we are in those situations where we might be compromised, that we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to keep us steadfast, to keep us firm in our faith, to make us bold witnesses. Why? So that others can see Christ through me. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.